One in four pregnancies end in loss and one in 160 pregnancies end in stillbirths. These statistics only add to the burden carried by the one in eight couples who are already battling infertility. These numbers do not tell the whole story. Greetings to everyone watching and listening to this. Welcome to Chazuba Talks, a podcast dedicated to sharing compelling stories of hope, determination, and humanity. I'm Tej, and in today's episode of Chazuba Talks, I am going to discuss a distressing situation. Families missing a piece of their hearts. IVF and pregnancy loss. I will speak with Tina Modi, co-founder of the Maya's Wings Foundation. Tina is a clinical pharmacist by training and creating innovative programs and initiatives to improve quality and clinical outcomes has been her calling. Her personal infertility journey and pregnancy loss has led to the genesis of the Maya's Wings Foundation. This 501c3 organization provides support, drives outcome through patient empowerment, advocates for access to infertility care, and funds research that allows for better birth and health outcomes. Welcome, Tina. Thank you, Tej. Happy to be here. Tina, you are a brave soul indeed to have gone through what you have and stepping up to the challenge of being there for others who are going through this. Um, Thank you. as much as I don't want to remind you of the pain, I do want to ask that, have you started this journey specifically for a certain category of people or is it uh, the general population as such? I um, I want to make sure that I appreciate the, the treading lightly around the topic and I know that it is very it's a tough subject to talk about infertility. It's a tough subject to talk about loss. It's also very stigmatized. And I think to share some part of my story as to the genesis of the Maya's Wings Foundation, I, I can't not talk about my own personal loss associated with it because really that's stemming from what the foundation is about. And with us starting the Maya Swains Foundation, it started in 2021 of June. We lost our daughter in March of 2021 after going through the IVF process and having a placental abruption. And what I will say about the IVF journey was it was very smooth in the sense that every measurement, every part of the checkups, everything went well in that process. So it took us by surprise to, it really Mm -hmm. just kind of pulled the carpet from under us to to have that placental abruption going into my 16 week appointment and having, and I apologize for the visual, just my water break and what it seems like I'm just bleeding. And it was something that when I did go to the doctor for that checkup, I was told that 
you know, there's really nothing we can do at this point. It could be nothing. It could just be that the placenta attached at lower than expected. So what we can do is continue monitoring. And I was sent home that day. I was also told by my provider that, you know, there's no reason for her to believe that because everything has been measuring so well up until that point. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. Maya, who that's, we named our daughter Maya. Um, her heartbeat was strong. There was fluid around her. There was no, there was not Nothing a thought. Yeah. yeah, there was not a thought to say that something was going to go wrong. And that evening after I went home, I started having more contractions and was rushed to the ED by my wife. And of course, in 2021, I think most of the United States people can empathize with this and even in the world, there's shutdown due to COVID. And oh. with the shutdown of COVID, we have a young child. He was two and a half at the time, our firstborn, our baby boy, um, who is now four and a half now. Uh, because we have him with us, my wife was not able to go into the hospital with me. They had to sit Great. in the car while I was being wheeled into the ED. And that's where I delivered my baby girl, Maya, at that point point and have um I lost her due to the placental abruption so all to say I know there's a huge background that I wanted to cover but all to say is you know with all the technology that we have all that we know about IVF thus far there is still so much unknown as to you know how can we is there a way to prevent this? We don't know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Could it be that something actually went wrong and we just don't have the answer at this point? That's very possible. Could it be that there's nothing that could have been done? We don't know that answer either. And I think the follow-up to after losing Maya, talking to a lot of the you know, reproductive endocrinologists as well mm-hmm. as maternal fetal medicine provider, we... Mm-hmm weren't given an answer as to why. And I think with the Myers Wings Foundation, we started to think, do we need a foundation to help support families that are going through this journey? And also, do we need it to help support the research that needs to happen? Because we know that IVF is only 50 years old, and there's so much that technology has advanced to make sure that IVF is as... um, advanced as it is right now to increase the pregnancy rate, but in terms of increasing the live birth rate, I think we still have Mm -hmm. ways to go because we also know that in comparison to non-IVF pregnancies, there are quite a lot of complications that, or risk factors that we see that are higher in IVF pregnancies and IVF um, babies than Mm -hmm. there are for non-IVF babies. So all to say is that we are motivated to keep our Maya, our sweet Maya, alive by starting the Maya Swain Foundation to help support family that's going through this infertility IVF journey, as well as um, to help improve I- outcomes associated with IVF through funding of the research and also empowering families, individuals that are going through this journey with information that are free um, through IVFresources.org that we have developed in collaboration with some of the experts in the fields to ensure that the 
they have access to this information. It's free. It's vetted through evidence-based medicine and also the most updated literature that we have available around IVF and the ability to translate that information into a patient-friendly language. Mm-hmm. Very important, yes. I do know that IVF requires a lot of procedure for uh, the woman to go through, uh, preparing the body for accepting. Um, I do know that it is a lengthy and uh, quite uh, a painful uh, process. It's a, it's mentally taxing physically I'm as sure. well as financially because most insurance companies, health plans oh. here in the United States don't cover IVF. Don't cover it. Oh, or okay. um, infertility in general. And that is something that we're also very passionate about in advocating alongside Resolves, the National Infertility Organization here in the United States, to help support mm-hmm. and advance the work around families, the ability to access that care at a reasonable cost to them or to have mm. insurance company companies to cover that the diagnosis of infertility. In our opinion, infertility is a disease diagnosis and it should be covered. Mm-hmm. True. Yeah, but I think that's still a long way to go. Uh, what do you think? What do you think? I think there's more talk around it, at least. Um, And then there is certain states that have already adopted the coverage around it. I think also, too, is the information may not be as readily available to individuals and families that would benefit from that support, as well as if you think about infertility and then the amount of monitoring that is required for Um, the IVF process, or even if you think about outside of IVF, just going through the um, intrauterine insemination IUI, anything that requires lab monitoring and um, specialists looking at your values and how to intervene requires a lot of access to or traveling to the clinic. So Mm -hmm. it's one thing to be able to afford it. It's another thing to have it easily accessible to be able to it's close enough to where you live. And I think that's mm-hmm. access is one via financial coverage is one thing, but the access of actually getting there and be able to think about, okay, if I have a job that is nine to five, for example, how do I make time a couple times a week to get my lab values drawn? I think those are all areas to think about when we when we want to increase the access of care to people that might benefit from it, even if insurance do cover it, they there might be other barriers that we have to keep in mind. So those are all areas that I think um, Resolve is looking into and other health equity organizations that's looking at how do we increase you know repro- reproductive justice in that space for people that could benefit from it and may not even have the information that they need. And that's why we're a huge proponent of empowering individuals, families that that need the help or that need mm-hmm. more information but don't know where to get it. Um, and with IVFresources.org, we, are, we have the ability to collect people's questions if they want to dive into something a little bit deeper we can help them do the research and be able to translate to them in a way that is easily understood and if they have questions we're able to help them navigate through that process even as a clinician myself as a pharmacist 
yes, I'm familiar with the drugs. And it is so challenging to be able to understand, okay, why are we doing this drug for this process versus Mm -hmm. why are we not doing this drug for that process? And why do I need to have this protocol and not that protocol? It, it, we, of course, trust our provider to make sure that they know what our lab values are and what our diagnosis is to put us in the best protocol possible. But at the same time, you will follow those protocol almost blindly without really asking the question. So, but why, you know, (laughs) and I think one thing that we try to do is to help people ask the questions what questions do you ask providers? Sometimes you don't even know when you show up and just kind of follow the process, but not knowing, you know, should I be stepping back and asking the question if you're investing so much in that process? I think that is with the work that we do within the Myers Wings Foundation, advocating for access of care is one thing, but also empowering individuals with information is another. Yeah. Let's take a break to understand what Jazuba is. Everyone at some point ponders on how this beautiful life can be made more meaningful. Maybe you're a leader trying to enhance your employees' experience at your organization. Or you already work for the community and seek volunteers with state-of-the-art skills to strengthen your nonprofit. Whatever your situation, know that you can make a difference. Chizuba began with this very vision, a vision to facilitate every skill and every passion in the world in meeting a social need. Corporate volunteering has several benefits for both businesses and organizations. In parallel, experienced and enthusiastic volunteers join NGO workers, enabling them to serve the community more effectively. Chizuba offers everyone looking to add purpose and meaning to their lives a chance to connect or volunteer virtually with non-profit organizations from over 100 countries around the world. Visit www.chizuba.net and explore opportunities to find meaning. Chizuba, your platform to do good. And now, back with our guest. Tina, you are a clinician yourself. You know a lot of insights into the drugs and the pharmacy related. How well is this received with the providers? Uh, Do they like it? Do not like it? Do they like the uh, intervention? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a very, um, that's a great question. How providers perceive based on your knowledge and how they communicate with you is, I, I would say, we think, yes, there might be some, not bias, but more of, well, they think that you're at a certain level of understanding in terms of the medical terminologies and they won't beat around the bush. They're very straightforward to tell you here's why and they tell you the process. Mm -hmm. I think it's very important for the patient to level set, here's where I am in my understanding of what you're saying and Mm -hmm. I need you to break it down for me and tell me more so in the way in which I can understand. And if there's something that you don't understand, you can continue to ask the provider. 
or reach out to us at ibsresources.org. We'll able, we're able to help answer those questions for you or guide mm-hmm. you on how best to a- ask those questions. I think that's critical. I will say going through the process myself, sometimes I'm at a loss of even what questions do I ask? Where do I start? I think it's yeah. so important to be able to understand exactly what you're going through because it is definitely an investment, not just an investment of your money, but it's an investment of time. And it does take a toll on physical stress, mental stress, because you're constantly either being monitored or you're thinking, did I eat something that I shouldn't? Did I, you know, do some sort of activity that I shouldn't have I impacted the implantation of the embryo those are all things that go through people's mind as they're going through this process if they don't get the result that they want and I don't think that that's unique to IVF that is with any pregnant people who's carrying a baby or um, trying to conceive there is that almost self-blame of did I do something or even right. in infertility, did I do something to cause the infertility? And I think it's so stigmatized as to it's a the pregnant person's problem or it's a female problem. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's now coming to light that there is more discovery that it's not just unique to the women or the female um, that there is a male factor in infertility as well. We just don't know a lot of information. And I do think that at this point in time, reproductive health has not been looked at from even from a male or a female perspective. We just don't have a lot of information. And I think, you know, as part of the work that we do is, yes, we are trying to advance the understanding of IVF. We are also at the same time that falls in the realm of reproductive health. And I think mm-hmm. that there is a lot of missing links that we can connect based on what we've learned from the IVF. We know that IVF in general is a very, um, it's a very structured, very timed, almost in a way that you know exactly when you are pregnant, very much so that you can translate the timeline to conception to when you can monitor the progress and say, here's where I think um, we can make some tweaks for the future. Right. Tina, uh, tell me, you being a clinician, you have information about the drugs, the pharmacy uh, related, you know, all these things. Do you... Are you received well by the providers? Mm-hmm. I think that's a very important question, Tej. Thank you for asking it. I think as a clinician and having the ability to understand the medical terminology at baseline, it's helpful for the provider to have that information up front so they know exactly how best to communicate with you. So I do encourage people to help the provider level set where you are with your understanding of IVF so that they can better ascertain as to how they can inform you the best. And I'm not saying that providers aren't the best at communicating what it is that you need to know. (laughs) They are very good at what they do. Um, our reproductive endocrinologists and providers in general, they're very good at what they do, but they may not always know how to break it down for you to in a patient-friendly manner 
so that you can understand. So I think making sure that you level set with the provider and asking about the why behind some of the processes, it's helpful. Mm -hmm. The other aspect Mm -hmm. is at ivfresources.org, we have the ability to collect people's questions if they have them or um, the ability for them to ask us the question so that we can help guide them through that journey or help them do the research if they need more information. In ivfresources.org, we have a blog that we published, a list of questions to take with you to your reproductive endocrinologist at either Mm -hmm. your first visit um, Mm -hmm. or subsequent visits so that you make sure you ask the questions that you need to um, in order to address some of the things that you may not even know you need to know at that time. Because after going through the IVF process, I can tell you that I oftentimes, as a clinician myself, don't even know what questions to ask. So that um, I think it's a really helpful if people want to Very, I would think be prepared. Is, yes. Yeah. Uh, that list of questions, of course, will definitely help. Uh, speaking of which, tell me, uh, do you think that women going through IVF treatment need to be surrounded by a community? So I think you are providing that, right? It's an online community yeah. or do you also meet up? Yeah, that's um, something that we do support. I think pregnant people going through the IVF process or any type of intervention associated with infertility would benefit with surrounding themselves with other folks that have gone through the process or going through the process. Um, But I will say, Tej, another drawback to that is what my personal experience sometimes, and it may or may not be applicable or translatable to everybody, is when you're in a support system with other people that are Mm -hmm. going through a similar journey and you see that their journey is successful and yours isn't, it's also very Uh, painful. So I think what I would recommend when you do find a community like that, yes, you can feel supported because you all are going through a similar journey and also let them know that, hey, here is what's okay and here's what's not okay. And I want to let you know that Yes, I would love for you and your journey to be successful, but it's also very painful for me. So you could say, just don't let me know. Those are all options that as you're going through this type of support system to ask for what you need. I think that's something that I take away and learn. I'm very, it's very hard for me to ask for what I need or sometimes even to know what I need. Um, But I think after losing Maya and just... understanding what it is that at the end of the day what's the most important thing is my children and my family and if that's the case how can I best show up for them and be able Mm -hmm. to make sure I take care of me so that I can show up in the way that I need to so to answer your question yes we do have a peerless support group where I host on a monthly basis to help support individuals and family that are going through the infertility journey, whether or not they're going through IVF, it doesn't matter, um, and also have gone through pregnancy loss. Why I have this combined type of hairless support group is that when I lost Maya, what I found myself in is I'm either in a bucket of pregnancy loss or I'm in a bucket of infertility, but there's not a combination. And we also know that people that have gone through infertility also suffers from pregnancy loss. It's not one or the other. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes mm-hmm. it's this one in the same. And mm-hmm. people fail to recognize that infertility in a way is a loss. 
there's grief associated with that. So I am very Mm -hmm. cognizant of it and would love to continue to support people on however best I can um, that I could on a monthly basis to give them that space. Wonderful. Um, Because we are on this podcast, uh, maybe uh, you could just tell us, uh, or people who are listening to this, what are the red flags uh, in any treatment? Yeah, yeah. Those are things that oftentimes are, and I can tell you the common ones as with IVF, they always talk about um, multiple pregnancies or multiples Mm -hmm. in the sense of twins, triplets, et cetera, those are common complications or risks that we're we're told as we're going through Uh the IVF process. Others are the ovarian hyperstimulation syndrome where, you know, you would have severe side effects associated with the medication that could potentially put you in the hospital um, for either dehydration or a lot of swelling. So those are things the most common risk factors that they talk about, but what is less known about IVF process and pregnancy is the increased risk of placental complications. And that's not known to me until I have gone through the process and also have heard in many other forums as I approach, you know, even with my first pregnancy, I would see my, um, gynecologist and they're like oh it's an IVF baby we better keep an eye on that placenta oh that's a placenta from IVF there's so many language around that that's being thrown around and I never put Mm -hmm. two and two together as to why and when I dug into the literature around that is there is an increased risk around placental complications associated Um, with IVF we just don't know why and that's why currently we at the Myers Waynes Foundation is in collaboration with the American Society of Reproductive Medicine ASRM to put out a grant to do basic science around the placentation, so the placenta associated with IVF, so we can better understand with the basic science, can we translate what we learned from that to a actual human study? Um, and of course, it's very hard to study in human associated IVF, but more of more observational, if you would. And knowing that, can we then translate it to protocols, a new evidence based practices at the clinic level, those are things that we're hoping to understand, I think, until we can better get a grasp of why is there an association between IVF and placental development, and I myself have gone through IVF and had a placental abruption. Um, Also, Mm -hmm. with that, I also learned from that process that IVF pregnancies has an increased risk of subchorionic hematoma. Did not know that those were not complications that were told until you are in the process of IVF and you actually have a subchorionic hematoma that I learned IVF is about 15% higher rates of having those complications compared to non-IVF pregnancies. Why are these things not talked about? So those are things that we have as resources in IVFresources.org for people to have that information, not to scare them away from IVF, but more of if that does happen, it's because it's not because of you. It's because of exactly, the right. that could happen. And yeah. it's not going to always end up in a pregnancy loss. You just need to make sure your provider knows about that information. Because I can tell you, Kesh, I would not change 
knowing what I know about some of the complications associated with IVF, I would not have changed my decision of going through the IVF process because Mm -hmm. without IVF, I will not have my babies. Um, I have my four and a half year old. That's our first baby. We have Maya, who we've lost in 2021. And now I recently have my newest baby who is three months old now. And I cannot believe that three months has gone by so quickly. I feel like he was a newborn not long ago. Well, congratulations on that. Thank you. Um, Tina, you've explained the process of IVF. You've explained uh, the support that people are going through IVF need. Your organization is uh, in collaboration with the American Society for Reproductive Health. Uh, did I say that right? Uh, American, American Society, Society of Reproductive Medicine. Medicine, all right. Uh, and uh, so you're the, the organization, the nonprofit, is doing so much to help people who are going through this process. I think you are doing great work. I think people who want to see that kind of support uh, need to visit your website. I think you have all the resources uh, enlisted there. And all those who are listening to this podcast, uh, if you have any questions related or you want to help in some way, please visit uh, Maya's Wings Foundation uh, on their website and their social media handles. Tina, thank you so much for speaking to us. It was wonderful talking to you. Uh, I didn't know many aspects of this uh, treatment, and I think you are doing a great job out there. Thank you so much, Tej. And it's so great to be here to talk to you about the Mize Wings Foundation. I really appreciate you inviting me on this podcast. It is lovely. And uh, here's wishing you good luck and uh, all the success in your endeavor and a very, very happy family life. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Bye-bye.